That Naturopathic Podcast. TNP. Hello there. Hi, and thanks for joining us. I'm Dr. Michelle Pobega, naturopathic doctor. And I'm Dr. David Miller, ND, and we hear your frustrations. This show is for you. This show is for you if you're feeling like your current healthcare strategy is not getting to the root cause or the underlying reasons for your health. This show is for you if you've been told that you're fine, but you definitely don't feel very well. This show is for you if you're walking out of your doctor's office with one, two, three, four, or even five medications without any mention of diet, lifestyle, or a long-term game plan. This show is for you if you've got several specialists taking care of you, but no one is really putting all the pieces together. This show is for you if you believe that health should be part of healthcare. These problems have solutions. We know it. Our patients know it. And we want you to know it. Naturopathic medicine is the solution that you should know about. Hey everyone, Dr. Dave here. As you probably know, this podcast is all about getting the word out there that naturopathic medicine has got some serious game. Educating and inspiring our listeners to work towards and achieve better health is what it's all about. But just like it takes energy and effort to invest in and strive towards greater health, it takes energy, effort, and financial support to do all the podcast things necessary to keep this message coming at you. So please afford me a moment to share our gratitude and give a real heartfelt thank you to our show sponsor, Cytomatrix Canada. Their patient focus focused vision of improving health outcomes with the use of high quality naturopathic doctor designed supplements is 100% in alignment with what we're trying to do here at the podcast. Their enthusiasm for supporting what we're trying to do for you, the listener, encourages us to keep producing content that will inform and inspire. Thanks again to our sponsor, Cytomatrix Canada. Okay, welcome to another episode of That Naturopathic Podcast. It's Dr. David Miller here. Got my sidekick back again. Dr. Michelle Pobega, nat- both naturopathic doctors. What's going on? Forgot about the ND at the end of your name. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, things are good. I had a, a wee vacation and I got to see another part of our country, which was lovely. Nice. I've never, I'd never been out West and it's pretty, it's pretty beautiful. I, I'm not going to lie for the audience. I will, I will admit I shed a tear when I finally saw the Rocky mountains, oh. like when we were coming out of Calgary, and going into to Banff and the, the mountains, I was like, my eyes got wide and my face lit up and I literally felt myself welling up with tears. They're, they're so stunning and so majestic and so humbling. I was just like, I felt honored to be in their presence. Like that's the feeling I had. I was like, nice. oh my God, I can't believe this is in our own country. It was pretty dope. So nice. Yeah. Well, I have nothing so exciting to share of the last <laughs> couple of weeks other than another crippling case of dad back after playing with oh. my little boy, but it's totally worth it. Anyway, you held it down for us last week while I, I was on my trip. So thank you very much. I did. We'll see if anyone liked it. But anyway, back to back to the the normal format. Um, I wanted I wanted to uh, to talk about this episode. Things that we sort of maybe we learn differently in school, and we know more now as practitioners. And we've all got our own slant. So it's not about one person being you know perfectly right, and you know because I'll have different. Ep- different ideas sometimes than you and vice versa but it is kind of fun to see how like we evolve and treat things a little bit different than maybe what we learned at school during those uh traumatic four years (laughs) at Canadian College of Naturopathic Medicine so I love that you said that because you're like hey, what do you think you do differently than what you learned in school? And I was like, I don't feel like I remember what I learned in school because I feel like I blocked that time out for my for my memory bank. It's like PTSD. No, it wasn't all bad. There were so many incredible memories from being in that program. Um, but yeah, and 
it's, I think that's part of what's so beautiful about our profession is that as we leave school, we have different experiences. We start to attract different types of clientele. We work in our rural environment versus urban versus this versus, you know, and our skill sets kind of diversify. Yeah. And it's pretty awesome. And then you go to webinars and conferences and you learn the coolest shit, right? Yeah. And you're like, how come my teachers didn't teach me this in school, right? So it's 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 pretty wild, this journey that we've been on and being in here for what, 10 plus 10, 11 years now, it feels, um, I'm definitely not what I was when I came out of school. Yeah, um, I think it's some interesting sure. sort of dynamic between uh, what you're really interested in or, or whatever is really like meaningful to you as a practitioner yeah. and, and that interface with the needs of your environment, whether that like, for me, I, I feel like the needs of my, maybe the community or the um, what's the right way of saying this? Like the, I'll say the needs of my community or like the, the, their perceived needs. Anyways, I, I think I shifted a little bit towards that in addition to just being interested in sort of gut health. So yeah, I think it's some, some interesting uh, dynamic uh, that happens there, but we wanted to talk about uh, a few things. We're going to, we're going to look to be about 30 minutes and we're going to talk about um, how Michelle, first of all, is going to answer and I'll, I'll color in some things if I have anything earth shattering to share, but we're going to talk about PMS, uh, which is a big topic. You could do many, you could do a whole podcast series on PMS. We're also going to talk about sleep problems. We've also, we've had an, a sleep expert on in the past. She was awesome. Um, I think it was called Sleeping It Real. Um, good title. That's a great title. Yeah, Sleeping It Real. And then we're going to talk about bloating, which we've talked about because we're sort of gut people. But we're just going to look at these, um, you know, kind of like, I, I wish I knew then what I know now yeah. kind of idea. Okay. Totally. So uh, what do you want to start with, Michelle? PMS, sleep problems, or bloating? Get to the guts of it. The, guts, the guts of it. So the thing that I think has... And there's bloating a, there's, bloating there's a, is what we're starting with, I'm assuming. Bloating and okay. just that digestive discomfort, feeling like you're ballooned out, all that kind of stuff. I think, well, I think I can say two things that I've really learned is that probiotics are not always going to fix it. And I thought that was going to be the end all be all when I come out yeah. of school. And even I was trying to fix my, my bloating, I kept reaching for probiotics thinking that that yep. was going to be the jam and it wasn't. Um, so they did that, seem like the panacea at some point. I don't know if it was yeah. like when we were in school, it was because we're, we're old fogies now, I guess, um, compared to some, but yeah. when we were in school, I seem to remember you know, it was like, oh, probiotics are kind of like HMF for it for everything. Yeah, the panacea, everything. You yeah. know, just give some probiotics. Yeah. And I felt like I took probiotics regularly for just years. And I still had gut issues. And I was mm -hmm. like, this is ridiculous. Mm -hmm. Um, and somehow I still had it in my head that they were gonna solve my problem. So I would still keep getting them, mm -hmm. not realizing that maybe there was a SIBO like thing or poor gut motility or faulty ileocecal valve that was allowing for backlogging of yeah, bacteria. Yeah. And then you add a probiotic and it just adds a little bit more burden to that body, even though it's the good stuff, it's still just adding more stuff. Yeah. Um, so that was a big learning curve for me. Here, just a, um, just a quick mm. uh, check-in with you about that. Did you even know about SIBO at that point? Cause I don't remember learning about SIBO until I think no. after school. No, well after school. Yeah. I think so. 
I think I really, at our school anyway, we might yeah. have been behind. And now, now SIBO, I don't think was really on anyone's radar 10 years ago. So I don't think it was part of the academic thing then, because I don't think it was really on the radar for anything. Not for CCNM, think, but I have a feeling they were onto it earlier in other naturopathic colleges. Oh, you I, think so? I do. I think we were, uh, we were sort of late to catch that bus. Uh, okay. Well, I mean, I don't know. I'm, I'm hoping that it's taught in the program now, um, because it is a, an important skill set to understand how to discern that from the picture. Um, so I hope it is, but I think I learned about SIBO maybe. I feel like life is a blur now because it's been like two years of the pandemic. I feel like has really skewed my perception of like time and reality. Um, maybe five, six years ago, five years ago, maybe yeah. is even generous. Cause I think three years before the pandemic even hit is when I really start to understand or start to get inklings of SIBO. Um, so that was a game changer for me. Yeah. So when we went to school, just to recap, we went oh to school, God. we learned about bloating and we didn't know what SIBO was. No, I think no. that's kind of funny. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I don't know. Maybe it's somewhere buried in our notes and it just wasn't emphasized. I, I can't remember. I don't know. I don't have my notes anymore. And then, cause you had a gut issue, you give the probiotics. And I gave them to myself and yeah. I gave them to my clients. And for some clients, it really made a big difference, but not everybody. And that mm -hmm. was a, and that was a big learning curve. Yeah. The other thing that I have found, and this is based on my own personal journey too, with struggling with digestive stuff is that I had to get my house in order. I had to get my house in order in the sense of not just physically, but mentally and emotionally. And for me, because I'm a little bit more on, on this spectrum, like even spiritually, like, like tapping into having a meditation, having a routine, calming the F down. I mm -hmm. was, I was high strung. I'm still a little high. I'm still high strung, especially if you ask my boyfriend, I'm still high strung. I bet you're fun but at I, parties. I'm a hoot guys. <laughs> when I talk about poop at parties, um, but I am fine at parties. I'm not going to lie. Um, but <laughs> I, that was, that was a big learning curve for me mm -hmm. is I had to get my house in order and it was beyond just what I experienced physically. It was how, um, I perceived the world and how I reacted to the world and why I had these reactive processes and these automatic responses to things and unpacking that and going through that and like rewriting those scripts and so to speak, I guess, because if you're reactive to everything, then you're in a chronic state of stress. Yeah. And then what Dave and I know is that that can limit maybe stomach acid production, limit MMC function, limit just gastrointestinal health in general, and that could contribute to bloating in a massive way. So that was, that was a big part of my healing. And I make that, I have that discussion with almost all of my digestive health people, but mm -hmm. with bloating people and people who we feel like we can't seem to get the mark. And I'm always like, okay, it's because I think we're avoiding this piece. And I'll often ask people to work with a therapist or someone, um, or we try to have that dialogue and like, as much as I can have that dialogue with people, I'm not a professional and I don't necessarily have all the tools to help everybody unpack all the different depths of what they need to unpack. So I'll often refer out and I find that that's a big deal. Yeah, that's for a really sure. Big deal. I mean, that's why it's it's fight, fight or flight, and then rest and digest. Yeah. Right. Like you can't. We can't be in rest and digest when we're in fight or flight all the time. Your body doesn't care about digesting food if it feels like it has a run run for its life. Like that's exactly. it's just the, that's the end. That's it. The end all. And I knew that conceptually, 
but I didn't really understand that until I had to go through it myself. Mm -hmm. And then it's influenced how you, you, you treat people after school. I I don't remember thinking of, of that stuff as much when I was in school and the mental emotional side, I guess the mental emotional side, we were good. The school was good. The training's good in terms of like, remember those important aspects, but um, yeah, I think, I think you realize it more and more when you get out in the real world and just see like people are eating, there's, they're eating well, they're taking some digestive enzyme, they're doing bitters, whatever they, but their bloating is brutal. And they're like, just in, they're in stress mode. So simple. For whatever I mean, reason. it's, 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 it's simple to come to that conclusion. It's more difficult to find your way out of that and find yeah, the solutions because yeah. we live in a chronic state of stress. Yeah. It's kind of been normalized, right? Oh yeah. And I think that's why some people have all these, like, I think that's a big contributing part to why there's just this uptick every year of like new health issues that we just continue to normalize and be like, well, this is just the new normal. I refuse to, I refuse to accept that terminology. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, one thing that ties up, ties in these couple of concepts, which is like the stress thing and and the, uh, the SIBO and bloating was, we talked about before, but I remember Tanya Lee, Mm. awesome clinician. She's such a great clinician. One of my faves. Uh, yeah, I'd, I'd highly recommend anyone who's a student at CCM or, or whatever to, to, get in with her because she's a great clinician if you're if you want to be a great clinician i think she's one of them anyway she she had a siebel case or or some gut cases she got from some other naturopath who was trying hard and just you know said they gotta try someone different she just gave him a nervine and you everything told, you said yeah that. which is so cool right that just like encompasses what we're talking about like treat the person make sure you take care of that mental emotional stress side yeah anything else for yeah. bloating because we um any other, yeah. Well, SIBO, SIBO, probiotics are not always the yeah. answer. And, and you got to take out, take care of your house from mental, yeah. emotional, spiritual, and physical. Like it can't just yeah. be one. Gotta yeah. be all I like them. that. I'll add, uh, I'll just add to that. I'll chirp in about the over, the overlooking <laughs> undervaluing of psyllium. Um, I can't I love that say you always it. have, you find, always find a way to sneak that in. Eh? Got it. I got to, it's, it drives me crazy. I'm going to tell you. That psyllium is so important to me now that I <laughs> yes. traveled with it on my trip talk and I made it and I was like, if I, <laughs> did you just talk psyllium to me? Oh shit, Dave. Um, so I, I, I took, I brought it on our trip and every morning I would prepare that for myself and my partner and for my boyfriend. Cause I was like, there's, it's nice to have that morning regular routine and also to be regular poop wise. Cause when you're traveling, things get irregular. Exactly. So that was a big part. I was like, we are packing the psyllium. And he was like, I'm all for it. <laughs> I like this man. <laughs> yeah. We like um, regularity. We're big on regularity in my house. <laughs> uh, let me, I don't, again, may, different time. Like, look, I'm 42. This is like, I don't know how long we were in school, like 15 years ago or more. Uh, so I, I think part of my a recoil response to to psyllium was that I knew it was owned by big pharma and I was at, at that younger stage of my life I was like ah screw big pharma yeah and then now I'm old and I'm like wait <laughs> big pharma is using psyllium um maybe you should think about the implications of that it's because it works. <laughs> yeah. Right. But, but I don't, I don't go and get Metamucil. No, I no, that. I don't either. But yeah, just to, as right? a, sorry. But, but I think that's why, you because know what my I, head, my head originally we go to Metamucil. 
Yes. I mean, like, oh, well, Barf. you can get that at Shoppers Drug Mart and it has flavoring yeah. and food coloring and FD&C red dye and blah, whatever. And I'm like, barf. Yeah. I was like, that can't be good for you. But the psyllium yeah. in it, it's quite good. Yeah. So um, there's a reason they were into it. So I think that's good. I, I really like what you said about probiotics. Totally agree. I uh, thought they were the gangster shit and turns out they're just helpful in lots of cases and we weren't being very precise with our application of them at least uh 15 or 20 years ago it was like hmf forte for everyone right yeah so (laughs) yeah um okay let's move on to what do you want to do sleep or pms next um let's do sleep because i feel like it also ties into stress and like people's inability to regulate themselves it does tie in (laughs) right doesn't it yeah yeah um so things that i feel like i had learned after after yeah. school. Yeah. And I would say, I think the bulk of my golden nuggets have come to me more in the last five to six years. I felt like I was floundering in the first five years post-graduation yeah, I where I it. felt, you know, and I felt like I learned a lot of stuff that was theoretical, but I didn't have a chance to apply it to really fine tune my to yep. tune it. And I feel like in the last six years with the, with the interest of biohacking and cool stuff has just started to come out. There's been some really interesting information that's finally coming out more in a public level and even on a research level. Um, and I guess just the idea of like regulating your circadian rhythm for optimizing sleep Big time. and just optimizing energy, optimizing sleep, optimizing hormones. And as much as we can give nervines to help people calm down at the end of the day, as much as we can do all that stuff, and help them help their nervous system come down and give the melatonin and all that stuff. That was also something too. Let's just, we'll just give melatonin. And some people are like, I had lucid dreams and I slept like shit. And mm-hmm. you're like, it doesn't work. Right. Mm-hmm. And I think what's come to my understanding more is really bringing down cortisol at night rather than just trying to knock them out because sometimes people are still revving really high. So I use things like cortisol or cortisol manager, which are, helping the nervous system and also bringing cortisol down. Um, but also you find the them idea- useful. I don't, I haven't, I haven't used cortisol manager. I think it's a great name. I haven't used it though. You find Quarterline, it I do. I find a lot and of people Quarterline? respond to okay. it well. And okay. I find that a lot of people find their sleeps are better. And they also find that they're just less unnerved the next yeah. morning yeah. and they find they're, they're regulated a little bit better the next cool. morning. So, um, it doesn't work for everybody. But for a large majority of my clients who are struggling with sleep, that's a pretty good go-to for me, to be honest. Okay. Um, as well as magnesium. Usually I'll do that as a first go-to because most people just need more magnesium. Let's be real. But um, to regulate the circadian rhythm is helping them understand how to create a sleep-worthy environment, right? Like mm-hmm. that the temperature shouldn't be too warm. Uh, it should be cool. You should have minimal clothing. You should not have electronics. Like how many people have a massive TV in their bedrooms? And I was like, when we moved, I was like, we're not having a TV in the bedroom. I was like, I refuse mm-hmm. to have a big ass electronic like that. Like mm-hmm. you shouldn't do work in bed. You should, your bed should be for sleep and sex and maybe a reading before you go. You to should sleep. make videos, not watch them. <laughs> and then watch them <laughs> in the bed. But, but, um, but, you know, helping people understand that stuff, I don't think that was really articulated so much in school, but also the use of technology over the last yeah, it's way more Netflix now. is just so much worse. Yeah, and exactly. I'm victim to it too, of like watching Netflix to fall yeah. asleep 
and having to retrain myself and how to teach yeah. people to turn off the electronics a little bit sooner to allow their body to calm down because all that blue light for people who are listening and are a little bit more on the nerdy side, our pineal gland is what actually helps um, create like melatonin and get us into that sleep state. Um, and it's the same tissue as our retinal tissue, which means it's light sensitive. So all that blue light will stimulate things and make it appear as if it's still daytime. So then we don't necessarily get the hormonal cues to downregulate our body and go into a deep sleep. And that's why all these electronics all the time and all this blue light is damaging. So maybe for some people, it's a matter of having to get blue light blocking glasses. If they can't do that yet, um, that's, that's been something I've talked to clients about. And I've also talked to clients about um, getting outside first thing in the morning, obviously weather depending in Canada and seeing light before 10 AM, because that mm -hmm. also helps reset your clock. Cause we're always mm -hmm. around artificial light. And then our body's like, this isn't real. I don't yeah. know what to do with this information. <laughs> yeah. So no, it's yeah. That's okay. I'm late to the game on circadian. Uh, I think it really helped me and it may help, you know, the, the people who like to listen to audiobooks and, or read out there is, uh, their circadian code by uh, Sachin Panda. I found that really, really helpful. And mm. um, uh, yeah, so I'm late to the game. Like I am on a lot myself, of things. Myself as, as well. Yeah. So, I mean, there's two things that sort of set your time clocks that you have in all your organs and that's uh, the sun and uh, diet. So it actually has been very, um, and that's it. You can only control one. Uh, you can only control diet. The sun comes when it's going to come. So you have to work with it. Um, and I find that that book, uh, the circadian code quite, quite helpful for, for understanding the, the impacts of just living according to the circadian rhythms, man, you gotta, you gotta follow those laws of nature. That's it. That's it. And yeah. I think that's a big part of, I think the education in a clinical appointment with me is helping people understand how to work with natural rhythms rather than working against them and being like, why is, why are things not working? Mm -hmm. Right. And I feel like a lot of us are in that mode where we're living in a lifestyle that works against the natural rhythm of the world and how we are supposed to operate. And then we're all wondering why we don't feel well and feel, we feel sick. And I get that we can't reverse everything, but we can make small adaptations to help us just kind of be more resilient in this in the yeah. type of world we live in. Yeah. I, I, and run better. Yeah. I mean, you gotta, you gotta roll with it a bit more. I think the, the sort of like um, the desire of, the desire of the sort of let's just say progress and you can blame the western world to some degree but i think it's funny because everyone just tries to copy it uh it's it's kind of like the idea of like we're trying to make nature our bitch yeah but really we're nature's bitch you can't and, screw um, with nature man no you got to work with it and and uh you got to work with it um why did yeah. i go down that i don't know i any chance i can say to say bow down to nature i'll take it um, okay. And then, yeah. um, so we're talking about sleep. Is there, so we, you, you briefly mentioned blue light glasses, you said cortisol, uh, working with circadian rhythms, um, magnesium. Healthy, yeah. Magnesium. I got something funny about magnesium, you know, magnesium. I was, I was like, we had a, we had a relationship back in school. I liked magnesium. It was one of the, it is one of those ones. I think back, uh, I call it a nineties supplement. Like we knew about it. A while ago then i kind of broke up with it mm -hmm. but we've since made up oh that's nice <laughs> i'm so happy for you guys 
<laughs> I feel like I had a bit of that too. I think we understood in school, but when it came to sleep, I still never prioritized it as something that it's an essential nutrient, number one. So your body's going to, your body's going to probably find a purpose for it no matter what. Yeah. Most people are deficient in it because we've bastardized our soils. So our soil yeah. just doesn't give us the nutrients. We run in overdrive. So our, our demands are higher. So we need to match that with our supplies. Yeah. And it has a multitude of benefits for the system, including improving bowel movements, which we love and improving sleep quality. Cause it calms your gosh, darn nervous system. Yeah. I think part of my, it is, a, I mean, look, it is, there's a reason we made up and we're never breaking up again. Um, but I think part of, part of my difficulty in the breakup with magnesium mm. was like, I just thought you take it and it's like taking Zopoclone, you know, oh, <laughs> you, you just can't always expect the same mm. kind of like, um, I don't want to say you don't expect like it's you if you prescribe the right thing to the right person even if it's a um some sort of natural remedy or homeopathic or herb or body work or whatever it can be massive impact but they just it's 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 difficult to sort of expect when you give magnesium to someone to have the same idea of taking a zopoclone i think when i was young i expected something more right like like binary like that I think there's very few things in the naturopathic um, toolbox that would probably have the strength yeah. of Zoplicone. Zoplicone. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, that's, I think that was part of, again, like you just get older and you learn, okay, there's a, there's a precise use for this. There's just don't maybe expect uh, it to knock you the hell out. It just, uh, yeah, you know, there's different. Yeah. It's, I, I tell people now it supports inhibitory neurotransmission. So I'm not saying it's going to, knock you the hell out it's just if you've got the ability to slow down it's really going to potentize that and it does some more stuff too but i think um, that's the important part of our appointments with clients is to articulate that and to help them understand what their expectation is versus yeah. the expectation of the supplement i think is a really big deal when our conversations yeah. with clients is like and i Agreed. always tell them like this is not a sedative yeah yeah it's meant to calm your nervous system so that you can naturally fall into a better sleep. Yeah. It's not going to knock you out and put you into a sleep. Right. And I, and, and that's usually when they're like, okay. <laughs> yeah. Facilitate might be a better word for a lot of this stuff. It facilitates yeah. or catalyzes. Yeah. Uh, doesn't force uh, as yeah. much. Yeah. Um, okay, cool. Uh, I think that's a good little, uh, a good little bit of info on sleep. Now, now the lady bits, the lady Ayo. bits, um, PMS, PMS here's okay. I have this conversation with a lot of my ladies when naturopathic medicine just attracts a lot of ladies. I only have it with ladies. But, <laughs> that's true. <laughs> Sorry about that. With a lot of my lady clients, I meant to say with a lot of my lady clients, I will have this conversation, but naturopathic medicine just naturally attracts a lot of females. And I think just personal health just attracts a lot of females in general. But anyways, it's something that has been maybe only in the last couple of years that I've really become a little bit more aware and understanding this, um, where I, I like to, I like to position it this way. The world for the last several thousand years has been very much based on like patriarchal structures and women have a very different rhythm and women have a very different way of how we move through this world and a different set of gifts and a different way of like being and contributing to this world. Right. And I think there is a difference and that's why we are, we have this beautiful compatibility because we fill in the blanks for each other as males and females. Um, and with women, I feel like it's like 
round peg square hole or like square peg round hole where you're like trying to fit into a society into a system that goes against what our natural rhythm is is and I find that like a lot of with fertility issues and all this kind of stuff women are working harder and I got to do this and it's more like male like energy of like this like girl and then it interferes with our natural rhythm as a female and based on some of the books that I'm reading they're a little bit more um, divine, divine feminine kind of based books and reads. Like one was called Rise, Sister, Rise. And I'm currently reading one called Code Red, which is literally about your periods. And the premise behind this is knowing how to work with our natural rhythm. And I think a lot of us want to fight it. And so I just, think just to put this in context at yeah. PMS, is it PMS are we seeing as a, as a sort of catch term for like uh, problems with rhythm in, in, in general, in like, well, PMS can come from a lot of stuff. It could come from hormonal balances for sure. Um, and then people get mood swings, people get cravings and, and, and bloating and all that stuff uh -huh. leading up, leading up to their period. Uh -huh. And I think a contributing, a contributing, not the factor, but a contributing factor yeah. to why I think why some of us struggle with that is because we're going against the natural rhythm of what we should be doing during that time period of our monthly cycle. So some of the books that I've read have kind of look at it from this perspective, just as we have seasons in a year and we as humans also don't abide by the seasonality of the year. We don't slow down in the winter. It's like we push harder as we come to year's end. And then we all wonder why we get sick. And then we ate a whole bunch of holidays of like sugary holidays. Um, we, we don't work with the seasonality of the year and the same thing with the female cycle. So some of the books kind of put it in perspective this way, your period is like winter where you should have deep rest. <laughs> and then as you come out of winter, it's spring, you start to feel more vital and feel things feel really great. And then when you get to ovulation or mid cycle, that's where you're up your most optimal. It's like your summertime. And then after that, it's like your fall where things start to slow down again, before you go into that deep rest stage. And then, especially with like a lot of women who are struggling to lose weight, but they have this PMS and they're tired, but they're like, I just have to push harder and I have to work out harder. Yeah, and, no, like, no. and I'm no. like, no, you have to work out Even I know slower, that. Right? Even this biological male knows yeah. that. <laughs> How dare you? Um, so those are the conversations I have with women. And it's remarkable. Some of these women who wrote these books are like, I used to hate my period. I used to mm -hmm. begrudge it. I used to be so angry. It used to annoy me. It would vex me. And I was so uncomfortable. And my cramps were so terrible and blah, blah, blah. And then they're like, when I started to learn to work with my rhythm and honor the female cycle, I found that my cramps got a little bit better. My periods were not as heavy. I almost enjoyed that time because I knew how to, I knew to get more introspective and reflective. And I imagine a lot of women are listening to me being like, who enjoys their period? But I think that if we learn to appreciate the psych, the cyclic nature of it and learn how to work with it rather than working against it and feeling like we're supposed to be doing the same thing every single day of the month. Um, we might find a more harmonious balance or a more harmonious relationship with like our monthly cycles. And not a crazy it, idea. So those are kinds of things that I have with people. And it's not even just about the period. It's even about like, like I said, working out and people who are struggling with fatigue and the fatigue around the period. I'm like, maybe you need to honor that. Maybe you need to rest more because that's what we're supposed to be doing anyways. Um, I mean, it could be an iron deficiency too, let's be real, but um, I find myself having those conversations with women a little bit too. And there's, there's more details about it. Like 
ovulation, you're at your most powerful. So some books were like, if you have to do a big presentation, do it around, try to schedule it around that time, because you're going to be the more, your most articulate, your mm -hmm. most ability to communicate more around your actual cycle and your flow and your period. You should stay in words, take a bath, do a restorative yoga class, read. And apparently that's our most creative time because we're supposed to get inward and reflective and we should be able to create the most. Um, it's interesting when you start reading about those things and I'm not an expert. I'm still just like beginning to like sift through this information, but I found that it was, it felt really beautiful for me to start looking at the female cycle that way, rather than hating it, begrudging it. Cause I feel like the more you have a negative vibe towards something, the more it's going to be like this resistant energy against each other. Um, so I feel like that's part of a little bit of the new education with some of my females when it comes to working with their rhythms and just, it's a, yeah. It's a far stretch from, uh, you know, I think what, what has been maybe conventionally accepted is that periods are terrible. Right. And, and then yeah. we've normalized terrible. It's like, yeah. um, again, I'm, I'm just, I'm just a guy talking here, but, uh, I think we really normalize, like I, I can talk, especially some of my older female patients coming in saying like, well, we just used to get on with things that, I, that, you know, I'd bleed like crazy and be crazy fatigued and painful and, oh, but we just were, were you know, that, that the doctor said, that's just, oh, you're having your period. Like it's, a, yeah, it, that we, we normalized dysfunction yeah. big time, I think. Or we there. just say, oh, you're just crazy. Like you just like, I just feel like I'm crazy right before with my PMS. You're not crazy. There's, mm -hmm. there's, there's some massive shifts happening mm -hmm. and you know, and there's the, the woman who writes the code red. She was, she has this really great quote in it. She was like, I bleed for five to seven days every month and I don't die. She's like, I am a fucking warrior. <laughs> Or she was like, I'm superhuman or something. And I was like, hell yes. Can we start celebrating this remarkable aspect of the female um, body? She borrowed that from South Park. Is, <laughs> did she? I don't know. It's South Park to say, well, I can't trust anything that bleeds for five days and lives. Oh my God. Thank but you, like, how, ba Park. how badass are we? We're basically magical for being able to do that. And I feel in. Oh, come and on. There's so many more. Ma like, the, the magic I the magic that goes on in uh, women's bodies specifically. Yeah. So I just talked to some new moms and stuff. So it's like, it's just insane. Like in that blood palace. As blood palace. Yes. Such a great, such a great term. The Chinese medicines have the best, the best, most beautiful straight up names. Anyway, blood in that palace. blood palace, life actually happens. It's like, that wild not something just to brush over it's pretty wild so no no and i feel like i want ugh. there's a lot of discussions about people who have like maybe endometriosis and fibroids in those painful periods and how it could also be rooted in trauma to their divine feminine or even some kind of abuse that happened years mm -hmm. ago that they still have to heal and you know there's a lot of stuff like that it's like and and you look at a freaking tampon commercial it's like you can live your normal life again and i'm just like mm -hmm. having a period is normal mm -hmm. <laughs> stop trying to make it as if it's not normal right mm -hmm. it's it's funny that the the nomenclature and the language and all the stuff that's around i find feminine hygiene and what it means to be female and experience these cycles it's it's almost as as if it's been it's been labeled to be something 
not normal or, or, or gross or something to be ashamed of. And I'm like, if we're holding that internally, again, back to the mental, emotional and energetic side of things, if you hold that internally, how do you feel like your body's going to respond in yeah. and in the kind? cells, the cells are going to respond somewhat to yeah. those mental perceptions as Bruce Lipton says, I think. Yeah. So I'm like big that. on trying to like empower my ladies again, to be like, celebrate this shit. This is awesome. Mm-hmm. I'm like, no, mm-hmm. I don't want you to suffer. And no, I'm not going to normalize pain. That's because I'm not about that stuff, but we need to learn to work with what your body's trying to tell you versus fighting against it. And then find a new way of relationship with that as we work through the pain and all the stuff. Also, while you're doing all that deep work that Michelle's talking about, you can uh, rely on uh, this homeopathic remedy to maybe help a little bit, which is Actea racemosa. That is, that is the female uh, gynecological remedy of choice for me. If there's ever anything like cramping, PMS, dysmenorrhea, whatever, uh, I've even seen it helpful for so many other symptoms of even menopause. Actea racemosa is a beautiful, beautiful homeopathic remedy that you can put in your arsenal of things to uh, address your PMS as you do that deep work with Dr. Michelle. Yeah, or any any lady boss naturopath. Yeah. There's 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 several. I know that also abide by some of these philosophies that they really try to tap into that divine feminine which i'm a bit i'm a big fan of by the way <laughs> can tell <laughs> you can tell okay well so yeah so those are those are i think those are the three that stand out for me about like what has been different and like i said i feel like that's really become more clear in the last five years of practice i feel like rather than the first few years coming out where i felt like i was just trying treading water trying to stay afloat right so well i think it, it takes a while to get, um, to get good enough to know, um, what's that thing I like to say, to know the parts, you have to know the whole, to know the whole, you have to know the parts and you have to see enough things mm-hmm. to then start, okay, I can start synthesizing this rather than a bunch of like disparate data points. You can sort of now yeah. start putting stuff together. So that's yeah. what happens in practice, Michelle. That's called, it's called growth. Yeah. <laughs> well, uh, that's that's it. It's it's uh, it's time for us to shut it down. We were pretty close to our time, so thank you for uh, for sharing uh, some of the post CCNM learnings about PMS, sleep problems, and bloating. My pleasure. Okay, we'll talk Good to chat. you again next week. Good chat. <laughs> See ya. That naturopathic podcast. TNP. Hello there. Hey everyone, Dr. Dave here. As you probably know, this podcast is all about getting the word out there that naturopathic medicine has got some serious game. Educating and inspiring our listeners to work towards and achieve better health is what it's all about. But just like it takes energy and effort to invest in and strive towards greater health, it takes energy, effort, and financial support to do all the podcast things necessary to keep this message coming at you. So please afford me a moment to share our gratitude and give a real heartfelt thank you to our show sponsor, Cytomatrix Canada. Their patient focus focused vision of improving health outcomes with the use of high quality naturopathic doctor designed supplements is 100% in alignment with what we're trying to do here at the podcast. Their enthusiasm for supporting what we're trying to do for you, the listener, encourages us to keep producing content that will inform and inspire. Thanks again to our sponsor, Cytomatrix Canada.